Welcome to the Powers Report podcast. I'm your host, Janice Powers. The show brings you candid, unique, and data-driven perspectives on the healthcare industry. I believe that any solution that is going to positively impact the American healthcare system has to satisfy two major criteria, financial viability and behavioral incentive alignment. In other words, access to high quality care can only be achieved if we can afford it and if we behave in ways that optimize our health. Please subscribe to our show on your preferred podcasting platform and connect with us on social media. Again, this is Janice Powers and welcome to the Powers Report podcast. Well, greetings, everyone. Um, I am excited to let you know that this is a the third show where we are going to have a guest on the Powers Report podcast. We've done over 30 shows, and it's great to you know get my perspectives, but it's even better to get the expertise of folks who've been practicing in the industry for a really long time in different areas. So I'm thrilled today to introduce you to Joan Dentler. Joan Dentler is president and chief executive officer of Avanza Healthcare Strategies. For more than 25 years, Joan has been consulting on developing or operating ambulatory surgery centers and hospital outpatient services. During that time, Joan has worked in 46 states, focusing on assisting not-for-profit hospitals and health systems to create and structure ASCs, improving hospital surgical operations, and partnering with senior hospital leaders to ensure their facility portfolios include the lower cost outpatient surgical access that payers and patients want. I love that. During that time, Joan has seen the evolution of services transitioning from being provided within the walls of hospitals to freestanding outpatient centers. Joan is a frequent contributor to healthcare publications and conferences, provides insights on outpatient services, and sometimes she's my boss. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm happy to have Joan on the show. Joan and I have worked together um, over the years. And when I found out, gosh, maybe seven, eight years ago, what Joan was doing um, from a colleague of mine, I just flagged her, tracked her down in Austin, and I was like, I have to work with you. Um, when I heard about the fact that Joan was working in this outpatient surgery space, it is an area that is uh, accessible to patients, it's safe, it's convenient, and one of my favorite things, it's low cost. Um, I really wanted to be part of this experience, and I have to say Joan has taught me so much about healthcare and has been uh, responsible for really for a lot of my pursuits in for longitudinal healthcare and in this podcast. So I think this is going to be a really great show. Welcome, Joan. Well, thank you so much, Janice. That, that really was, that felt good. So thank you. <laughs> Happy to be here. Happy to be yeah. here. And, awesome. I've and I have learned a lot from you. So okay. let's just make sure that's reciprocal. <laughs> well, one of the things about this show that I would like to communicate to listeners is um, how healthcare is changing. You know, it seems that those of, you know, most of us have insurance. We've been around the system for so long. There, there's so much around us technologically that has changed in other industries and healthcare just seems to plod along. And, you know, it's been great with COVID to see telemedicine being embraced because that's a, you know, a, a different way to deliver care that embraces technology. 
But ambulatory surgery centers are really, uh, from a practical care delivery side, I think the most innovative aspect of the healthcare industry that's out there today. Uh, and while we consumers don't shop and you know get to select going to an ambulatory surgery center, I wanted to take time on the show to talk about it so that we know more about it. So I think one of the important things is, Joan, maybe you can just tell us like what an ASC is and why it's so unique. Okay. So an ambulatory surgery center or the acronym ASC, um, the official name really is Freestanding Ambulatory Surgery Center. That is a distinct uh, designation by CMS. And um, though lots of other terms are always thrown around, surgery center, outpatient surgery center, ambulatory surgery center, the official word, official language is freestanding ambulatory surgery center. And they are separately licensed. They are not a part of a hospital or part of a physician's office. That's where the, the word freestanding comes in. They are their own entity. Um, every state, but I think one or two actually have ambulatory surgery center licensing criteria. Um, and so, and those are different from state to state. Uh, and then CMS has what they call their conditions of coverage for ambulatory surgery, for freestanding ambulatory surgery centers. And that those are the rules of which uh, a surgery center must follow if it wants to um, collect Medicare reimbursement. So they are typically uh, facilities that um, the patients stay in the facility for uh, no longer than 23 hours and 58 minutes. Uh, th that's the definition by CMS. They have to be discharged uh, 23 hour, within 23 hours and 58 minutes of admission. Um, in some states, they actually have rules around how long they can be in the OR and how long uh, they can be in the facility total. But it's typically cases that don't, that are less than an hour and a half, 90 minutes in the OR, and less than two hours in recovery. It's like day surgery, right? Day surgery, yeah. and, and also typically for healthy patients, even though CMS, are no, there's no requirement, uh, just because they're not part of a larger institution that has an, an ER or um, a lot of emergency equipment. They do have some emergency equipment, but um, typically you only see healthy patients in these. And so we always say it's healthy patients, uh, elective surgery, or actually we're starting to use the term non-acute surgery because some of the surgery is not necessarily elective, um, but it is, it, it doesn't have to be done immediately. And so um, those, that's the definition of an ambulatory surgery center. Okay. So I think the, the thing that I didn't understand when I started this work is that these things operate like on their own totally. Because when you look at a hospital, you know, you can go have surgery at a hospital, but when you look at the cost structure of that surgery, all the costs associated with the hospital, and you mentioned emergency services, but you know, the big emergency rooms, all that stuff, there's all this overhead, you know, that is associated with running a hospital, hospital system costs, all those things, you know, get baked into the pricing of doing surgery at a hospital. Whereas at an ambulatory surgery center, it's like you said, a legally separate 
entity. So there's no allocation of these other costs. It's just, this is why I think they're so great because you can really understand the cost of care in these environments because it's a closed environment, right? Right, right. And um, yeah, 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 they, they don't have, typically don't have a lot of overhead. In fact, the CMS definition is they cannot do anything other than surgery. So, you know, you have sometimes people want to, you know, tack, you know, tack in a few physician offices or they want to offer um, PT within the surgery center and charge for that. It, it, CMS does not allow you to do that. Um, so it, it, by, by definition, it's restricted. And, you know, interestingly enough, that is not because at the time they were founded, CMS cared about um, cost. <laughs> that was because when they were, they came about and the first, the first freestanding ASC opened in 1970. So they're not new. Um, but when they came about, they came about because physicians were uh, not happy with hospital operating rooms. They felt that they were inefficient. They felt that they were spending more time in between cases in the doctor's lounge than they were doing surgery. And they realized that there was no restriction on physicians owning ambulatory surgery centers. So the, the, um, a lot of the requirements of surgery centers have really built up because everybody wanted to be sure they did not try to compete with hospitals, which is interesting because now they are competing with hospitals. But um, so they wanted to keep their focus very, very, very narrow and uh, hoping to limit them actually was the reason, rationale. Yeah. And I wanted to, you know, tap into this physician ownership aspect because I think that, you know, it, that really sets off some bills and, you know, some fire alarms for some people to think that doctors you know, own these facilities, but your company, Avanza, has done a survey, you know, you can tell us a bit about this survey that you do every year and maybe touch on what, how many today ambulatory surgery centers have some sort of physician ownership? Is that common? And like, how, how is it structured for physicians to own ambulatory surgery centers? Uh, when ambulatory surgery, it's better, I guess, easier for me just to go through sort of the history of how it happened. When ambulatory surgery centers first opened, they, like I said, in the 70s, they were typically just surgeons um, who owned them, often with a, a business partner, uh, ambulatory surgery center management company. And how they get paid then? Did they have to contract with insurance companies and stuff? Or Yeah, yeah. So they had, to, when they started off, you know, they were, they were paid by the government payers and they were also paid by private commercial payers in addition to taking, you know, private pay cash patients. So they, they saw everybody and the physicians owned it. Usually, like I said, they would have a business partner who had some ownership in it as well, who, who handled all the business in because the doctors, I mean, I, you know, typically, especially back in 1970, um, more than today, physicians didn't really have that business acumen. So um, they would have a business partner and the, and the physicians and the business partner would run the surgery center. When I got involved in, in the industry in the late 90s, uh, it was through an, a hospital-owned surgery center that had the hospital partnering with physicians without that third party business entity. So the hospital was providing that the business acumen and the, and the equity. 
And that was the beginning, pretty much the beginning of those types of arrangements. So I'd say from the early 70s through the early 90s, um, they were solely physician owned, competitive with hospitals for the most part, um, because the physicians would take all of their outpatient surgery out of the hospital and then do it in their own freestanding ambulatory surgery center. And outpatient surgery is a huge profit center for hospitals because it can be low cost. And so all of those cases uh, would leave, go to the physician-owned surgery center. Um, and so that woke up some hospitals in the 90s when all of a sudden they looked around and they had no more outpatient orthopedics or no more outpatient ENT. And as we said, several CEOs lost their jobs over letting those kind of things happen. And that's when hospitals started figuring out how could they partner with the doctors in these surgery centers. And interestingly enough, the survey you mentioned that we did is showing that one of the areas that's growing are 100% hospital-owned ASCs. So it's gone from 100% physician-owned, a physician and, and business partner-owned to hospital and physician-owned to now more and more hospitals are opening these without physician partners. So um, I have my own theory as to why that's happening. I, I think we should discuss that because um, when you, I've done a couple of shows about hospitals and how um, they're really, I think in a very defensive situation, especially over the last decade from what I've seen, you know, they've gone from this very altruistic mission they still have the mission, but in the press and, you know, so much of what's happening with billing and every day there's another story about somebody getting balance billed or, you know, the, the hospital now owns the clinic where they got used to get their cortisone shots and now it's a hospital based place. So the it's five times what the costs were before and it's aggressive and, you know, it makes people afraid to access these facilities Um I, I think it's very defensive because if you look at how a hospital makes money, it's in the surgery department. So if you're going to take out um, surgery, it's not just taking out the, the surgery, the outpatient stuff. It's the fact that then you leave this very inefficient hole in the hospital that's not being utilized. And if they don't staff appropriately or shut down stuff, then they just burn through a lot of money. And that's, um, that's just how things are. I think what's been interesting, and we can talk about this, maybe you can comment in conjunction with why hospitals are uh, owning more of these ASCs is how much stuff has moved out of the hospital and into the ambulatory environment. Like what, what has that trend been? Right, right. Well, and um, before I talk about that, let me just say one thing that I think is gonna be important for your listeners to understand because they're probably a little confused right now because hospitals do in this, like I said, between the seventies and the nineties, hospitals were desperately trying to figure out how to compete against ambulatory surgery centers. Ambulatory surgery centers um, get, uh, get reimbursed about 50% of what hospitals get reimbursed. They get paid half. And so for consumers and payers, you know, their eyes light up with ambulatory surgery centers. So hospitals 
and they're much more efficient because they are smaller. They're able to, I mean, I want to cut hospitals a break here and say um, a surgery center is much more able to be efficient and cost effective because it doesn't have to deal with trauma. It doesn't have to be open, you know, 365 days a week, regardless of snowstorms and all these other things and surgery centers can just close. So um, they have an unfair advantage when it comes to that. But hospitals did in the 70s and 80s and 90s open up what they you know, will call their ambulatory surgery center or they will call their, their outpatient surgery wing or their HO, HOPD, which stands for Hospital Outpatient Department. Um, it's kind of like those look like, a, you know, look like an ASC, smell like an ASC, sound like an ASC. Uh, but they're not. That's where I was so adamant about the definition of freestanding ambulatory surgery center separate license. Those facilities that you see often attached to a hospital, but sometimes not, um, those are actually outpatient departments of the hospital and still bill hospital uh, rates. So while a patient may think they're in an ambulatory surgery center, if we get off the call and they're having surgery tomorrow in one of those facilities, they may think that this is exactly what we're doing. I'm going to an ambulatory surgery center. No, you're really going to a hospital. You just, you're just going to a, a department of one. Um, and so I think that, again, that di distinction of HOPD versus ASC is really critical. Yeah, I think that's important. I mean, from a consumer, like, we don't care, right? I mean, we're going to go where our doctor. Well, you you do, yeah, you do care if you if you're paying the deductible, right? Depending how high your deductible is and what it is that you're having done, it may behoove you to to make a choice based on price. But it is important to talk about how much before we get to that consumer aspect, how much stuff is just shifted into these things and how they can actually have a separate building that has, you know, all this outpatient stuff in it. Cause it, it will have, it'll have physical therapy in it, PT, right? This other building this outpatient building. will have everything. It'll have radiology. It'll have this, you know, all the doctor's offices. It's very convenient. And, you know, it's pretty slick looking. It's a great doctor recruitment tool to, you know, to set people up close to the hospital, but there's just been, I think, factually a shift in, advancements in technology and more things that CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid have approved to be done in these ambulatory surgery environments. So they've sort of been, they've been pushing stuff into these environments because it's so expensive to do it in a hospital. Correct. Correct. And, um, you know, most hospitals that we talk to now, when we look at it, about 70 to 80% of their surgery could be done in an ambulatory surgery center. And when I say could, could be done and reimbursed, either it is on Medicare has an approved ambulatory surgery center list of what they will pay for, but that's just the beginning. That, that list, um, uh, I think there are over 7,000 procedures that are on that list. It, it, they add new procedures every year. And then the most recent thing that Medicare did uh, in, in the beginning of this year was they have announced that they're going to do away with what they call the inpatient only list. And that is a list of, of surgical procedures that can only be done inpatient. Um, so they're going to do away with that. So now it's going to be up to the doctor uh, to decide, given the health of the patient, 
and the type of procedure is this going to be am i going to keep this patient overnight or am i going to discharge this patient therein means there's going to be a whole lot more stuff that will be done in ambulatory surgery centers so it's it's up to uh, it's, it is going to be up to the payers and the patients. And that, that I know hospitals are very concerned about the elimination of the inpatient only list. Yeah. I mean, it, the, it's great as far as pushing costs down. What I love about the ASCs and what you just talked about is even though there are these big now outpatient facilities, these HOPDs that are connected to hospitals, and the hospitals, you know, are doing it so that they can make it look, they can have the ambulatory environment. It is lower cost, even if they're, you know, attached to the hospital. It's lower cost. It's convenient. Everyone, you know, they've got all the other services in there, but they're still getting paid the hospital rates, not the 50% rate that you would in an ASC. So as we were talking earlier, the shift in ownership to hospitals owning ambulatory surgery centers is, you know, a function of so much stuff getting pushed out into this environment that instead of them partnering with physicians and saying, well, you guys own half of it, we'll own half or we'll own, you know, 51%, you'll own 49, you know, they're like, why should we, why should we partner at all? We want to get all the revenue our, ourselves. Talk to me a little bit about that. And if you're a doctor, why would you want to have, why would you give up, you know, why would you want to work at a place that was, why would you rescind your ownership, basically, if you have an opportunity to have it? Well, so first when hospitals got involved, they really went, it was a very much of a defensive, like you said, they, they were reactive. So they went to doctors and said, oh, is, you know, can we please invest in your, be a partner? And it was very much the doctors controlled it. And so in those days, you would find partnerships where the doctors would insist that the hospital be a minority owner because they didn't want them messing in the operations. Um, but they liked the idea that a hospital would partner with them uh, for several reasons. One, hospitals typically have a lot of clout with payers. Um, and so they liked that. You know, a hospital can, as I always say, use, we'll discount our, um, you know, OB care over here, if you give us an increase over here. So they've got more negotiation power with payers because they're negotiating so many different service lines. And also hospitals could tell payers, we'll move as many cases as we can into the surgery center if you give the surgery center a significant uh, reimbursement. Uh, you have to be real careful with that because there's some restraint of trade issues that come into play there. So I don't want to make people think that that's always done. But uh, also, uh, hospitals in, in states where they have a certificate of need requirement, and that is where the state has to approve any new healthcare facility that's being built that's over a certain dollar amount, um, hospitals can squash a, a doctor group from trying to build an ASC if they want to, because they've got a lot more clout with the state, and that's all because of lobbies, et cetera. And then just in general, consumers tend to like the idea that the hospital brand is on something as opposed to just a group of doctors. Sometimes it gives them a little sense of, of comfort. So, uh, and, but the biggest reason I, I found that doctors wanted to partner with hospitals or bring partners in, hospitals in was it gave them an opportunity to cash out. When the doctors were, were ready to retire, um, they couldn't always count on their doctor colleagues to buy them out, but you could count on a deep pocketed hospital to buy them out or buy their percentage out and then sell it to a new incoming surgeon. 
So the hospital a lot of times acts as the bank in, in these deals, and it makes a lot more sense for the doctors. I actually think that one of the reasons that we're seeing from some of our clients that hospitals are building ASCs without physician interest isn't so much that they're cutting the doctors out um, as much as they really need to have ASCs in their portfolio. And if there's not a group of surgeons that want to be invested in an ASC for whatever reason, they're expensive. They are very, I mean, they can make money off of them, but they're also very expensive investments for the physicians. The hospitals are saying, we'll offer interest to the doctors, but we don't really care if they're involved or not. We're, we're going to do it regardless. So I see it as being really part of the whole value-based um, play where hospitals are acknowledging finally that they need these lower cost venues of service. So they are no longer doing it just to own, you know, a part of, of something that the doctors own. They're now doing it straight, you know, truly to have a lower cost venue for surgery. So it's almost, it's become a more pure motive uh, in my mind and a more proactive motive than it had been in the past. Yeah, and maybe one factor contributing that or, or making it easier is that more and more doctors are employed by hospitals as opposed to contracting with hospitals or contracting with, you know, being sort of on their own and thinking, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to cut a deal over here. I'm going to be a part owner in this radiology center and I'm going to have PT. I'm going to be a part owner in that and I'm going to be a part owner in this ASC and I'm going to just contract with everyone. I think just, and you can comment on this, you know, just the shift in physician mindset in being an independent versus being employed and how that supports a hospital-owned ASC because they got doctors to work there. Right. Yeah. So it makes the physicians a little less, you know, they have a more stable income. And so they may not feel like they really need all these different revenue streams. I mean, like I said, they're not, they're not cheap investments to be involved in. And and you know they have liability involved with them if something happens, and so there's they're they're not just money machines. Um, they they do have it's another burden on the physician's time to be a part of the board and and oversee the ASC. And yes, yeah, so since there's been more physician employment, we have seen more hospital-owned ASCs that could be part of it. Uh, some hospitals, frankly, don't allow. Uh, employed physicians to invest in their ASCs. They feel like uh, they've already compensated them um, more than enough and they don't allow them to take advantage of this potential investment while others don't. It's about 50-50 in our survey. We asked that question in our survey. Do you, our survey is of hospital leaders and we asked, do you allow your employed physicians to invest in your ASCs when there is physician investment? And it's about 50-50 of the ones that do and they and don't. So for someone who's been in the industry as long as I have, it's just been very interesting to see this whole, you know, switch from hospitals being reactive to hospitals being proactive to now hospitals really looking at ASCs in the way that I think they should, which is an extension of their surgical services, a true lower cost place that they can um, provide high quality surgery uh, to patients that don't need the heavy acuity that's offered in a main OR. And I've had either the, the good fortune or the bad fortune to have had a lot of outpatient surgery in the last few years. 
because of some eye issues. And I can tell you, I've had doctors who have said that we need to do the surgery quickly and we are going to do it in the hospital. And when I push back, because I have had very high deductible insurance plans. And when I say I want them done in, the, done in an ASC, you know, they're, they're happy to oblige. And so I think more and more consumers are doing that. Yeah. So let's, uh, you know, as sort of a last topic, let's talk about that. And I think it's so hard for consumers to, to understand the industry. And I've talked a lot on the show about shopping for healthcare and, you know, price transparency. And it's, it's such a mixed bag because if you're, you have to basically know, have an idea, approximate idea of what the cost of care is going to be for you to even know to negotiate, right? Because if your deductible is going to be like $8,000, most people don't have any idea how much their surgery is. And if their surgery is going to be $10,000, then I don't care, right? I'm not going to say, don't do my eye surgery at, at the hospital, do it at an ASC because I'm going to have to pay the deductible anyway, but eye surgery shouldn't cost $10,000. I think it's, we're going to get to the point and we're getting to the point where consumers are starting to ask the price of care more and doctors are, you know, having to answer those questions. And, you know, we've got all this price transparency stuff, which is impossible to use, but has been passed by, you know, like the, the feds about hospitals having to post pricing. It doesn't apply to ASCs as far as I know, but you know, it's going to be cheaper people. I mean, it's going to be cheaper in the environment. So I guess if you were going to give advice to somebody, Joan, uh, who was going to have an outpatient procedure, like what would be two or three things that you think they should ask a doctor about the pricing element so that they can, or two or three things they should ask their doctor vis-a-vis determining whether they should go to an ASC or not? First of all, one of the advantages of ASCs, and, and I think hospital outpatient surgery is moving in this direction, but ambulatory surgery centers have been one of the few areas. This is why to me, when you say they're innovative, they're so, they are very innovative. It's funny because they're innovative, but they started in 1970. And most of these things happened in 1970. So it's almost like healthcare is, I would say healthcare is caught up to ASCs. It's not that ASCs have, are, are, are so you know, earth shattering, but they have always been reimbursed at, on a flat fee. So if I'm going in to have surgery in a surgery center, I can call and say, how much is my surgery going to be? And they will quote me an amount. And that is the full amount. If I stay in the OR, you know, 15 minutes or five hours, it's the same amount. If they use a gazillion gauze pads on me or one, it's the same, you know, it's the same price. Um, and that's how the government payers reimburse the ASCs and most commercial payers reimburse ASCs on a flat fee, which is why, frankly, ASCs have gotten so good at lowering cost is because they've always known we can't charge for anymore. We have to do the case. And, you know, we're going to get $2,000. We want to make some kind of profit. We got to do it for under $2,000. So they've had very clear targets where hospitals have never really had those. They're, they're moving. Like I said, it's moving in that direction for hospitals and outpatient surgery. Clarify one thing there though, for consumers, it's not, most places are going to give you a, that facility fee, right? Aren't there three bills unless they specify? Three bills, unless it's a global fee, which uh, again, ASCs do that more often, even than hospitals, because they can, because again, they, they already 
know what the cost of that facility fee is. But yes, you'll have a physician fee, an anesthesia fee, and a facility fee. Right. And that's that two grand type thing, just so people know what, what you know, is going to come over the transom later, but still. Right. Right. But you're not going to have interop lab or interop imaging or all of those kind of things that you could have at a hospital and hospitals typically charge by the minute. And, you know, that's, or the hour or how are they charged? If I was going to have surgery or my doctor told me surgery was a good option for what a condition I had, Typically, a doctor, most surgeons will immediately tell you, and I'm going to do the surgery here, and they will just name the place. And many consumers, especially those that do have very good health insurance, just agree to that. And I always, because frankly, I've never had really good insurance, I always ask, you know, where else could I have it? And so, and then calling around to the various facilities that the physician has medical privileges. Ideally, he has them in more than one place and price shop that, you know, the other thing about ASCs is they, because they typically only see healthy patients, your doctor, in order to do the case at the ASC, the doctor has to do a, a, a physical, it's a quick physical, it's, you know, it's blood pressure and, you know, just a few things to be sure that you are eligible to do cases, to have your case done in an ASC. So he's not going to let you, he, she are not going to let you have your case done in a surgery center. If in fact, you are going to possibly need uh, an overnight stay, they're going to make sure that's their job. And if they don't catch you, (laughs) it's the anesthesiologist job. So if the day before surgery an anesthesiologist Uh, They usually review all the cases at a surgery center, at least a few days before surgery. And if they pick up any reason that they think this patient may not be a good candidate, they will either order tests or uh, take the case off the ASC schedule. So uh, an ASC has to, let me just make sure people, I want to be sure they understand that these are high quality places. They do have quality metrics they have to follow. And if there is ever a transfer from an ASC to a hospital because a patient isn't doing well, that has to be reported both state and federally. You have to report those transfers. And that's the way that both the state regulators and the um, federal regulators monitor care. If you have, frankly, more than one of those occasionally, uh, you typically get a surprise survey from the state or the feds because you should have selected the appropriate patient. Yeah, and I think this is a, an element, first of all, that's awesome to explain, but it's an, an element of this where we as consumer patient consumers need to ask these questions and call around. Obviously the simpler, you know, like anything, carpal tunnel syndrome, you can ask your doctor, how long is it gonna take? Like, is this, you know, to get, because there is sort of a correlation between how long it is and how complex it is in the cost. And so if it's going to be something that's going to be relatively quick, the doctor shouldn't care. You know, I think healthcare will never truly, totally be consumerized because you have this relationship with your doctor. You want to go, you trust this doctor. You want to go where he or she practices and so if they don't, if they want you to go to the hospital and they, you know, they say they don't have, uh, it'd be surprising if they didn't have access to, you know, an ambulatory surgery center, but they might not. It's a little odd to then think, well, I'm just going to go, go to all these other doctors and I'm just going to randomly show up at this ambulatory surgery center and 
do my carpal tunnel surgery because you're down the block from me. And, you know, I called and you said it was going to cost, you know, $3,200. It just doesn't work that way. And I don't, it's not good for patients to do that. Um, and I think we have to be careful with this sort of consumerization element of asking for pricing, but at the same time, it's your money and you should know about these options and sort of understand. I think that aspect that it's a flat fee is great to know about an ASC because it's always these surprise bills, like you said, and you're like, why were 1700 gauze pads used on me? It just makes no sense at all. Um, so hopefully that can help folks just be a little more in control of their care. Right. And, and I will say every state, uh, every state's different about this, but if people have questions about whether this facility is a surgery center or a hospital department, most state health departments now are, uh, I mean, it's not easy to find, but there's a place on the website where they will list all the, the centers that have been uh, licensed by the state and, um, you, you know, you are able to get their their CMS survey reports. You're able to get a lot of consumer if you're if you're the type of person that really shops and really wants to look. There's a lot of information out there that you can get um, about surgery centers, and there is also a uh, the Association of Ambulatory Surgery Centers is a, a national organization. I may have just messed up that acronym, ASCA, a national organization that you can go to that also can give you a lot of really good consumer information about surgery centers. So um, it's def they're definitely, like I said, they're not new. Uh, they've been around a long time. And from the minute I started in this part of the industry, I've just always been a huge advocate because I think it is the, the best option for most people when they're having elective surgery. Um, and, and let me just stress, it's not just the price, it's the fact that they're usually easier to get to. They're, like I said, they're, their hours are friendly. They're just not as complicated. And I think that that's something that consumers, busy consumers, they want that. They want the ease of care for something like this. Great. Well, if people would like to reach you, how, how can they do so? Uh, if they would like to reach me, they can reach me at uh, avanzastrategies.com is our website. And my email address is jdentler, D-E-N-T-L-E-R, at avanzastrategies.com. Happy if anybody who hears this wants copies of our surveys or, or any of that information, happy to share that with people. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I hope everybody learned a lot. Well, thank you for having me. This is the Powers Report podcast. I invite you to subscribe to our show. Check us out at powersreportpodcast.com. You can access over two years of podcasts on the website and communicate through the contact page. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much for listening.